thing, you know, we're in the business of going fast and so are the teams and, um, you know, they, they push it to the absolute limits and sometimes over it and that, that's what happens. And the full credit to Shane, you know, he just, just merged into the, into the family as if he'd been there all along. I was embarrassed for that race to restart in Tasmania. Dumb shit like that, that just isn't acceptable. From the racetracks across Australia, out here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel looking back on a fascinating weekend of motor racing at the Adelaide 500. No longer Eclipsal, but Adelaide 500. A lot of things today. One of the interesting conversations that we were able to have. There's been a bit of controversy this weekend because it was the introduction of the ZB Commodore. Now, next weekend's show, we're going to have uh, a a thrill because we got to talk to the marketing uh, director of Holden, Mark Harland, and he's going to talk about uh, what uh, is coming up for the Commodore. But this week, we went in a different tack because controversy surrounds the introduction of the ZB and what has been done in the homologation of the body and uh, the possibility that... uh, we could be a bit lighter on one side of the factory than the other, so to speak. Uh, so Nathaniel Osborne, the um, engineering chief uh, engineer at Tickford Racing, takes us through some of the things that are around that problem. Um, it's a terrific uh, race because um, there were uh, uh, some good, strong contests. Dominated today, that's the Sunday race by uh, ZB Commodores with Van Gisbergen leading home. Uh, Dave Reynolds uh, doing a great job for Erebus. And Garth Tander, a bit of a surprise because they hadn't qualified well on Friday and didn't have a great Saturday. But Well, as you know, I tipped him in last week's show to be the, Clips or fi- the Adelaide 500 winner, so not a surprise to me. Well, not a surprise. Because no. he's a racer and he'll carry a car and his attitude is, I don't care what it is under me, I'm just going to drive it, which is an admirable attitude to have. Okay. And it was... Uh, you disagree? No, 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 I don't disagree. He, he is a racer, certainly, and, and GRM have obviously done as good a job uh, in getting their ZBs up to speed. Um, the development series, the uh, Dunlop uh, Super 2, uh, Paul Dumbrell won the uh, fourth race, oh, sorry, the third race, um, and uh, won the round, of course, with Gary Jacobson yesterday as the Saturday posting Nissan's fourth race win in the Ultima, running for the second year in the development series. Gary Jacobson moved across from uh, where he'd been with uh, Tickford Racing, or FBR, to join Matt White and has done a sterling job learning the new car and giving it another win and just a crackerjack sort of uh, job by him. Third man on the podium there was Kurt Kostecki, who we'll hear from later on. Uh, he uh, has uh, the Kostecki brothers racing. There are actually three Kosteckis racing, but two are brothers and one's a cousin. But a wonderful team and uh, certainly one that uh, has ambitions. They've talked today about uh, they'd like to get a wild card and, and uh, into the series, so that was uh, great to hear that. One of the other things that was uh, important this weekend was the change to what was effectively the 2016 tyre. Kevin Fitzsimmon tells us uh, the way in which that's happened and the great thing was it was a tyre-free weekend. There were no problems, no dilemmas, no delaminations or any of the things that could cause, but great racing and a really tight, uh, uh, entertaining weekend. So after the break, we'll go to the podium place getters and the winner of the Adelaide 500 in Shane Van Gisbergen, 
David Reynolds and Garth Tander. Great to hear their words. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to have, um, take the win off him. So, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Rapid family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. We're delighted to be here, standing with the man. We just joked about how we could call it the winner of the Adelaide 1000 because he's won two consecutive years, pole positions, wins four races in a row. You like this place? I don't know why though. It's pretty amazing. I um, yeah, two good years. Obviously, I'm in a pretty fortunate position where I've had good cars here and got some great results. But yeah, to win it two years in a row is pretty special. It's pretty amazing that ZB. I mean, it's quite a dramatic different car in, yep. in many ways. I mean, obviously under the metal, it's all the same. I mean, transaxles, engines, brakes, and all those things. Yep. But to look at, how to feel? Well, very different. Um, Obviously, you got a smaller car around you, and you got two two windows to look back. You know, the roof of the car is very different uh, with all you know the hatchback type stuff. So, but yeah, on track it, it feels subtly different, but the changes we're making make a huge difference, and they're different to what uh, we would have made last year. And the change we made last year would have worked. Today was average. The car was not that great, and um, as a result, Jamie was much faster. So yeah, definitely we went the wrong way, but we're, we're learning. But the, the old expression, you know, a good horse is never a bad colour and it's a winning car, as the other one was as well, so yep. there's no reason to think you're not going to continue doing this. Oh, exactly. The car's obviously really good. It's been an amazing journey the last three months, watching the guys and girls put this car together and back at the shop it's been pretty cool to see three brand new cars and the level of detail of them is, is second to none. So, yeah, getting to drive one and, and win first time out, you know, and, and seeing... Another team, you know, we were 1-2 yesterday with another team and then today 1-2-3 for Holden. It's pretty darn special. Yes, indeed. When you rolled out and you had a, a test day or a shakedown at uh, Queensland Raceway, um, could you immediately feel how different it was? The track tent was in the high 50s, so yeah, felt like okay. a drift car. It's yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a waste of time testing in summer up Queensland Raceway, but they ran faultlessly that day and felt pretty competitive. But, um, yeah, didn't learn okay, anything. so you got to Sydney Motorsport Park and a yep. track that you've enjoyed racing at? Not really. I always struggle there and just seem oh, to get yeah. through it. Um, won only races in the wet. Oh, I won one in the dry, but, um, yeah, I always struggle there. So, But we were really just system checks, learning learning the basics. It's a real aero track, which is where we... Obviously, the car's different, so we were just trying to understand it. Are you surprised to have had such a good result with a new car? No, because that's what the supercars does well they do the parity right I, f- I feel to the best of their ability it's not in a wind tunnel but the parity tests I think are thorough and very good um, this car didn't make the downforce number but when you drive it it makes it consistently so it's a lot nicer to drive the other car very peaky pitch sensitive and um, difficult so you had to tune around it whereas this is much nicer but overall downforce maybe not quite there but I think it's a better machine because of the balance and quite apart from the fact that you know you've won twice with this car, two other teams have equally done 
very well with it, as you've just said. Um, and, you know, Triple Eight has got a history of building great cars and coming out with them and being quick immediately. Yeah, well, um, it's the guys and girls at the shop. You know, we've got a pretty, pretty stout engineering lineup. Um, not only the race engineers, but also the production guys back at the shop. It's pretty amazing, as I said, seeing everyone put it together and how hard they were working and but also being involved in it is something I've never never really developed the car from scratch before and when we tested it last year and trying different aero parts and and seeing what we wanted to take to the homologation test uh, it was a pretty cool experience and good to be a part of that. I imagine that's something you do really enjoy because yep. you are a tinkerer and you a mechanic at heart. Yeah I guess so and and getting to feel out that kind of stuff and and say what's better what's negatives positives about not just setup changes but aero stuff and the potential of it it was pretty exciting and um yeah seeing that evolution and got better and better now you talked about sydney motorsport park this year by a quirk eight it is exactly the same amount of points for winning a 300k race at sydney motorsport park as it is winning 500ks at sandown yep two races at Adelaide and uh, of course 1000 k's at Bathurst yeah that's why you have to treat every race the same you know you go to Clipsal, Pukekohe the favourite races and then you go to Winton which is a pretty awesome track in the middle of nowhere but it's worth 300 points so you have to approach each weekend the same prepare as much as you can and and turn up ready to go and uh, yeah every race is worth 300 points you just have to approach it like that like the idea of a supercar speedway night yeah, I think it's cool, you know, condensed show. I think hopefully will be good for the fans. Uh, I hope they do it right, you know, spend a lot of money and, and make sure it's lit properly and, and so we can have good racing. Um, yeah, and I think if they do a proper job, we can put on a good show. Fortunately, you've had plenty of GT experience in the dark. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not an issue, but um, I hope, hope you know, you can't see racing at night. So that's why they need to light it well and, and do a good job there because... You know, you see races like the Bathurst 12-hour, they say that should finish at night, but it's completely wrong. You can't even, you don't have any, any idea who's racing out front on that, so they need to light it up properly. And, of course, there are a number of exciting things this year. One, of course, is the Sydney Motorsport Park. Yep. Next one is, of course, that we go to Tail and Bend in August. Yep. Uh, that's pretty exciting. I'm actually going there tomorrow. Have you had any sort of look at that? I learnt the other day at 75 k's from here or something, otherwise I don't know nothing about it. Yeah, okay. it's only an hour or so's drive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they've got a long track for GT racing because that's their long-term aim, the okay. Shahin family. They compete in Audis and Porsches, so that's their aim in the long term. Yep. Uh, it's only a 4.6, I think, they're competing on for supercars. Okay. 7.77 is the GT track. Yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah, all new tracks are always exciting. I know, don't know anything about it except that they're doing a proper job of it and hoping it's going to be an international grade circuit but yeah other than that I don't know anything but yeah looking forward to it I'm sure there'll be plenty of news coming out on it the next thing of course is the the fun of Albert Park and going for points oh, I'm going drifting next week so oh, I'm thinking about that first okay. I got um, D1NZ the next round of that in Timaru so yeah can't wait okay. what are you in I'm a Nissan 370Z um, run by Murray Coote MCA suspension and uh, we did a round in Bay Park two or three weeks ago. I come 12th, pee nowhere, but I had the time of my life, so looking forward to getting back into it. Is this Queensland Murray Coote? Yep, yeah, exactly. So. Oh, wow, yeah. I haven't seen him in ages. Would you say hello to him for me? Of course. I've known yeah. him a long, long time, and yeah. of course he was playing with shock absorbers before anybody else really yeah. was. Oh, he's more of a tinker than I am. Every yeah. time I jump in the car, it's different. We're trying to get the most out of it, and you know, I'm just trying to learn the car and get up to speed. I haven't been 
competitive drifting for a long time, so trying to get in the rhythm, but the car's always different, but it's getting better. He's uh, it's an amazing character and really smart with what, he's th- what he does. He, of course, was involved with Glenn Seaton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and uh, that's when I met him, and it was Glenn had a very small team, and yep. Murray was there, and of course Glenn and Murray would go off and oh, meet. I couldn't imagine those yeah. two together. It would have been awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, enjoy yourself at Timaru, and look forward to uh, seeing uh, results from there, and uh, yep. Albert Park, and here we come. Can't wait. Cheers. Joined today by David Reynolds, one hey. of the uh, winners of this weekend, because he's done extremely well with a brand new car. First hit out, a brand new teammate who's become the first rookie uh, in both races this weekend, which is fantastic. Oh, that's good. Yeah, He's done yeah. a fantastic job. I haven't even had a chance to talk to him. Okay, well, My head's spinning. We've had a chance and, and oh, he's very pleased with it and very pleased to be here and had the success. You had a very good two days, a fourth and a second. Yeah, very um, good three days to be fair. Yes. It all starts on Friday. Yep, indeed here, Friday qualifying. Yeah, well it all started on Friday when, when I rolled out of pit lane and I was actually... A little bit scared driving my car. It was, uh, wasn't in a good window. The track didn't have much grip. And uh, I was making a lot of hard work. But then, you know, working with Al. Al's brilliant. He's so, so, so smart at this game. Uh, just made, you know, small adjustments here and there. And nothing too, too crazy. Just put the car back in the window. And gave me the confidence to do the job. Yeah, well. Qualified uh, was it fifth on Friday, fifth on Friday, fourth for the shootout, fourth on Saturday for the race, fourth for the shootout on Sunday, and uh, you know second in the main race and second for the championship, heading out of the round. Of. And fourth uh, for uh, the team points as well. Yeah, well, that's a good thing too. But yeah. I, like, if, if you told me that I'm going to be second in the championship coming out of this round, I would have been absolutely ecstatic. But what actually transpired, I'm actually bitterly disappointed because <laughs> I felt like oh, I should have won that last race. I had the car to do it. I just didn't have the self-belief that I could do it. I never believed in myself going into this race, and that's been my big critical thing I need to fix with myself. Okay. All right. Well, don't beat yourself up too much. I know, but I already uh, have. I mean, and everyone has a go at me. Everyone's yeah. had a go at me. I'm no, live on TV. Yeah. Well, I mean, remember the year when you followed Jamie home? Yeah. Yes, at Bathurst. Jeez, thanks for reminding him. No, that was no, years no. ago. Come on, no, no, because I mean, I was one of those certainly. It would have been terrific for you to do it, but I'm very glad that you didn't. Yeah. Because you could have fucked it up. Yeah. You know, I mean, and okay, we and Roland, imagine what would happen if you took yeah. Jamie out, oh, right? No. You know. <laughs> but yeah. But, but you know, you've, exactly. you've got a terrific result. Yes. And it wasn't a newbie. No, it, it wasn't, wasn't by sheer luck. It was just through good, honest, hard work and good driving, good strategy. Had an amazing strategy all weekend. Always, Al always put me in the right windows. Um, I got caught behind Courtney for a too long in that middle stint on Sunday, but otherwise I've had a pretty pretty perfect race. And the new car? I mean, obviously, the three teams in the top three places yep. with the new car. So obviously it's not that dramatically different from the old one, but it is an improvement. Can you feel where that improvement is? Can you feel... Um, yeah, it's not dramatically different. It's maybe picked up a little more rear aero stability, maybe a little bit, but on, honest to God, all in all, it feels pretty much identical as last year. It's really hard to gauge the two, but if I was to drive one, then the other I might I might speak about it differently. But when we went from when I was at Ford Performance Racing, we went from sorry, we went from the FG model to the FGX. There was a huge, huge step in um, performance and driver feedback and feel. And I was expecting something like this from going from uh, the VF to the ZB, but 
it wasn't. It was nothing like what I expected. So away from the test day, I was a little bit disappointed at how it transpired. What sort of tyres, though? Because that was critical at the test day. Oh, yeah, I, I was on 17 tyres most of the time, but, but you, I should be able to tell the difference. What about the 18 tyres? We saw the hards here, and uh, really they looked like they were faultless. Uh, yeah, like um, I used two batches of 17 tyres in practice, which were, you know, at Bathurst, so they weren't too old. And then we put the 18 tyre on, it was, it was uh, heaps more grip. And I was very, very surprised at how they performed. But, yeah, this is, this is a... I think it's a better tyre than it was last year. So going to the Grand Prix, where's your head? Well, I have to believe in myself and believe I can do the job and win the race. Otherwise, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take it by the horns and, and really have a dig. That's half my drama. Is it exciting because there are points there now? Um, yeah, it is. It's just... Everyone goes there, it doesn't matter if you're giving us points or not, we try our hardest, really. Um, but you might see a bit more stability in the results because, you know, we last year in our own team we were trying wildly different setups for the four races, so we won't be doing that this year because it, it's sort You've of... You've got a position to protect now. You, yeah. You've shown yourselves as big Exactly, we are. We, we've got a position to be protected, but we need to capitalise on it, on the speed we've got and the team we've built in two years. It's quite amazing, like... We turned up here two years ago. We struggled to make the race. Um, some of the boys never done a pit stop before, ever. And we'd had no procedures in place, no processes whatsoever. We just made the race. I mean, two years later, to be fighting for the lead. Fuck it. I'm just so proud of everyone that's been through this team. I, I can understand why you found it distasteful when people were saying, oh, overachieving and all those sort of things. I don't find it distasteful. Like underdog tag, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not at all. No, okay. All right. I, 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 I got a feeling there was that post-Bathurst. No, no, not at all. I love I, I love that. Because one of the things, it's ironic to actually say that a team owned by Betty Clamenka are quiet achievers. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anybody in pit lane who owns quite. a team who's not a quiet. Yeah, it's true, yeah. She's not but quiet. She's the loud. the thing is, I mean, the great thing is that, you know, whether it's, it's Barry Ryan um, or Alison McBean, you know, it is a team of quieter people. They're not people who are next to it. Nope. You know, so you're probably the team leader in that way. Maybe I'm just a dickhead. <laughs> no, here not and a there. Dickhead. No, no but I just like I just like having a good time and you making enjoy every... yourself. You know, yeah. I have to. Yeah, I make I'm, I try and make everyone enjoy themselves. Yeah. Um, that's that's my goal at the end of the day. If they're not enjoying their job, you know, we'll probably lose good people. So I try and make sure they enjoy their job. I don't I don't blast anyone if they've done something wrong or. I don't try and make them feel bad. I try and build them up. That's well, what I'm trying to do. Well, you've been doing this long enough. You know full well how important it is so that you do have people walking away at the end of the day going, wow, that was, that was fun. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got a result. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, I know, yeah. But, but now the, the pressure's the pressure piled on me this year, I think, and um, I'm coping pretty good. I just, today, uh, the last race at Adelaide, I just, yeah, I wish I won it, to be honest. I really do. Dave Reynolds, the race driver, though, is different to the Dave Reynolds with the Erebus hat on. Yeah. Weird. Uh, <laughs> but it is, when you put your helmet on, you are able to compartmentalise yeah. Dave Reynolds' race car driver and Dave Reynolds' person. Yeah. And that's probably the critical the yeah. critical difference. You can switch on Split at a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably and Lounsey does that too. Yeah, I'll, out of the car, muck around and, and say some really odd stuff. But in the car, I barely speak. I'm too too, too focused on my job. 
and uh, I don't want to say anything. I don't, I'm actually not thinking anything funny at the time. I'm just thinking about the process and, and doing my job as best I can. There's a wonderful analogy I remember years ago hearing about, and that was um, wicket keepers. Yeah. And uh, Ian Healy talking about that um, and as a wicket keeper, of course, you've got to so concentrate on watching the ball coming at you, you know, the 300-odd balls a day that are bowled down. But you cannot concentrate the whole time. You have to learn to be able to write. I don't need to concentrate now and be able to walk away and talk to the slips. In the same way that in your job, you've got to concentrate when you're on the, on the track, of yeah. course, but then be able to switch off so that you're not burning up your energy. It's true, yeah. It's, out, out there, it's, um, it's, it's long. It's two hours. Two hours of flat-out concentration going, you know, wall-to-wall, you know, scraping the fence, wall-to-wall action, like... The more, the closer you can get to the wall, the faster you go. The more lap time you make, the easy, the easier the car does it. You, but you, there's a very fine point between overstepping it um, and being sideways in the fence and destroying everything and making everyone work harder than they should have. But, but there's not, there's not a mark on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't had a decent crash for a while yet. <laughs> I'm proud of that. Keep it going. You've um, done some tough Adelaide 500s with that the heat. Tell me, the toughest you've done compared to this weekend, where you've got a lovely cool breeze here. Yeah, it's lovely. How much was it? Fifty percent, sixty, eighty, a hundred percent? Well, the races are still hard. Like towards the end of that race, then maybe twenty-five laps to go, my concentration starts to dwindle a little bit. I'm, I don't know what's going and on. Is like, that carbon monoxide? Is that lack of uh, I don't know. fluid? Or like, honestly, it's like yesterday. I did it heaps easier than today, and yesterday it was hotter. So it just depends on, I suppose, how much mental energy you've expended over the weekend. I've only got a certain amount of... See you, lovely. Bye, mate. Thank you, thank you. I'm so proud of you. Always so positive. <laughs> um, yeah, it just depends on how much mental energy you've expended over the week you've been here. Um, a big thing when I come here, I always try and conserve it. And, you know, talking to the fans, that takes it out of you. Um, you know, not sleeping well, that takes it out of you. Sleeping in a hotel, a strange bear, that takes it out of you. Um, just doing everything, everything you can to try and stop that and just go, go sit down and relax and try and conserve it because it can affect you towards the end of the race and it was, it was definitely affecting me today. But at the end of every session, yes, indeed. At the end of every session, you know, when you get out of the car, there's only one thing to do. That's all you've got to do is remember just one thing. What? Just one thing. Doesn't matter what it is. All you've got to do is remember just one thing. You'll remember at Bathurst, it was the chick up on the hill that was. Oh yes, yes, yes. That's the one thing. I I don't have any stories of that today. No, I'm sorry. Well, thank you, David Reynolds, on Inside Supercars. Wonderful. We look forward to chatting you through the year. Thank you. I hope that was somewhat insightful. Sunday with Garth Sander. Welcome on board, Garth. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's terrific. Uh, yesterday, you seem to be struggling a bit more with the car. Oh, no, I think actually realistically we struggled with the car on Friday. Um, but with practice, two practice sessions and then qualifying on Friday afternoon, it doesn't give you a lot of time to go through everything and, and identify what we needed to, to fix with the car. So um, we made a lot of changes on Friday night after qualifying one, which is obviously sets the grids for Saturday's race. And we were buried in the pack in 17th, 18th, I don't even know where we were, it was up the back. And, um, and, uh, but I knew straight away from practice three, ironically you have practice, another practice after qualifying here for some reason, um, 
we car was much much better. I was really happy with the car, and in the race, the car was actually very strong. I think we were close to fast slap yesterday. Um, so um, car was strong. We just didn't get a chance to show it because we were buried in the pack and getting caught up in other people's dramas. Um, so then, realistically, we made very few changes overnight, Saturday night to Sunday. Put it in fourth in the, for the shootout. Lost a couple of spots with not having green tyres for the shootout, but basically we were top five all race, and then. Um, you know, right behind the lead at the end, coming home third. So, um, you know, it was a real credit to the team. Did you have the speed of the two cars in front of you? No, I don't think so. Um, it was a long stint home, and there was no point in us all racing early on. I mean, obviously, yeah, after the, everyone had sort of finished the pit stop cycle and we all had a bit of a battle for a lap or two, it all settled down, and I think we were all pretty much just managing the tyre to the end. And with about 10 to go, I had a big push to try and get up to the back of Dave, but the rear tyre on my car had gone, so from that point on it was just cruise around and pick up third good success in the car early in its life is always terrific is it as well because you like driving the car as it is now ah uh, hard to say because i haven't driven it that much really i mean uh for us we did the shakedown at winton the sydney test was a bit of a non-event for us um so when i did the shakedown at winton i felt like the car was pretty pretty good um and the guys have done a nice job with it um we never really fired a shot in anger at all in sydney so um, yeah, it's hard to know. I need a bigger sample size before I decide whether this car suits me or not. Okay. You've got a, one of the fastest corners we have in Australia, Turn 8. Did it feel good through there? Uh, yeah, it did, but I think um, the surface at Turn 8 was probably more uh, a mitigating factor for everyone rather grip. than grip and balance yeah. and speed and all the rest of it that everyone sort of tends to talk about. So, I mean, AGP's a bit of an aero track, but realistically, until we get to Phillip Island, no one will know what's, what it's all about. Okay. And there was no occurrence at all of flutter or anything like that in the front bar? No, no, no. no. Actually, ironically, we had a front split out delaminate yesterday with about 10 laps to go, but that was from damage. Right. Um, so uh, I had to cruise around with the front splitter flapping, but I already knew what that felt like, so it wasn't a big problem. Congratulations, Garth and GRM, on a terrific uh, hit out for the first time yeah. with the ZB. Cheers. Hoping for a few more. Enjoy our park. Cheers. And Tony, uh, you rightly pointed out, Shane is now a Adelaide 1000 winner, having won two 500s in succession. I don't even know if Marcus Ambrose, who's won the 500 twice, won all four races. And uh, I don't think James Courtney... Well, I know James Courtney didn't Didn't. in 2014 because I think that was Shane's... I think he might have won the Saturday race, so... It's interesting to hear Shane talking of that. He hadn't considered that. But, uh, <laughs> it certainly was. The other one was Dave Reynolds, who sort of beats himself up a little bit because he, should, he feels he should have won the Sunday race. He should have worked harder at keeping the place and keeping Shane out. James Courtney on the podium on Saturday was fasting, qualifying on Friday, making both those press conferences. And um, he's obviously, along with Scott Pye, finished the weekend in 6th and Scott Pye in 8th position split by Craig Lowndes and for Walkinshaw and Andretti United that is a good way to start that partnership Absolutely, absolutely it is I know you're into the team's championship so ahead of the break we should talk about the team's points as well because they're in an interesting position uh, particularly with Erebus Indeed they are uh, and in fact one of the uh, terrific we quickly things... get the paperwork ready Yes. One of the terrific things has been the consistency of um, um, the new Mobile One Boost Mobile Racing, used to be known as Holden Racing Team, 
uh, now lead the team's championship, which is terrific because uh, Michael Andretti came over here specifically to be involved in their first race under the new colours uh, of uh, that being Walkinshaw Andretti United and they've got a result of uh, coming there in first. They're leading by only six points but they're leading Red Bull Holden Racing Team over Tickford and Erebus in fourth place. DJR because of a, a DNF yesterday. And of course in the Drivers' Championship... Van Gisbergen, a perfect score, 300. Reynolds back there, 258. And Courtney is in third with 240 points. So an interesting leaderboard there with Chas Moss at the best of the cars formerly known as Ford. Yeah, indeed. Um, look, the, this issue of the ZB introduction, you know, Triple Eight are clearly one of the best that we've seen in Australian building race cars. So it's not a surprise I'm in a fast car. I suppose in some ways there hasn't been any hiccups on their way with this new car and this question mark has now arisen over the weight of their body panels that are put onto the car. It is obviously going to be a discussion point for some time. Rather surprisingly, I spoke to a number of uh, Commission members, rather surprisingly they don't have a piece of paper that actually tells them the weight of all the panels on the various cars. Problem being with, of course, the hatchback of the ZV Commodore doesn't have a rear firewall like hatchbacks don't and it has to be fabricated and of course they make that out of a carbon fibre, very light and very strong whereas the Falcon and the, uh, has a, a steel bulkhead and there's weight as in that. As does the Nissan. As does the Nissan and of course also the fact that uh, the under panels inside the car are also steel and so that you end up with subsequently the weight higher in the car and the, the, uh, the Commodore can be ballasted further down. I've tried to actually find out how much ballast typically is carried, and I think probably most cars would have a 10 to 15, 20 kilogram ballast on them. I've heard that the weight difference with the Commodore could be as much as 40 kilograms, so you can imagine, well, I mean, you, quite apart from the, the aspect of having the weight down low, is physically putting it in the car, uh, as you remember some years ago maybe 20 years ago but some years ago where ballast in Formula 1 cars they were using radioactive metal we do have uh, some interesting chats coming up though and of course with Nathaniel Osborne each week join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world this year in Formula 3 I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that however I believe for myself uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Bear Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian Times since we've been back and we're unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Inside Supercars back again and we're lucky enough to have Nathaniel Osborne who is Chief Engineer at Tickford Racing. You've been there for how long now? Uh, I started full time in 2011, the yeah, team. Getting, getting on in time? And, yeah. And your time in Supercars, is that longer, much longer? Yeah, I did um, an internship with um, what was then FPR at the time right. and that started in 2005, end of five, end of six, start of six, sorry. And um, yeah, I just worked part-time, and so I was volunteer for a few years and then part-time with the team up until um, 2008. 
So you've literally grown into the job. Yeah. You probably had a family as well and all that in the same time? No, yeah, not yet, but um, no, I've been here for a long time, I feel like. Indeed. All right. And you've seen some good successes in Bathurst and some championships, but, you know, yeah, enjoyed that. for sure, yeah. The, um, the team was starting to find form when I first arrived, and ProDriver, pro not long, um, taken the reins of the company, and yeah, it's, um, it's been good to, to be part of the program as it's come up the ranks and risen through the, through the field, and it's always getting tougher every year, so hopefully we can keep, keep the team at the pointy end. And we're on Sunday afternoon, and uh, after qualifying, a um, bit of a blitzkrieg with the ZBs, uh, three of the top four cars. Yeah, they've done a really good job. Um, it doesn't matter what, um, what team builds a new car, that you know, you're always going to try and build something better than the last one, and you learn so much throughout the, the, um, the evolution of your current car that... We keep notes on where we've got to make gains and what we've got to improve on in the in the next model, and I'm not surprised to see it doing really well because it's not their first car they've mulligated and they're not silly. So yeah, this is that factory fourth, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. you know, every time I've, I was involved with doing the FGX and <coughs> the day after we'd finished mulligating the FGX, I couldn't wait to do the next one because I'd learnt so much doing it that um, you knew straight away that you could do a better job. So I'm not surprised. It's a good thing. Yeah, okay. Now, um, this weekend there has been some suggestions and some written and not a lot spoken out open yet um, that the ZB has a clear benefit in that uh, instead of the steel panels that most of the Falcon panels, not all, but most of the Falcon panels still steel, on the uh, ZB they're not. The Commodore has uh, a lot of composite panels which saves the weight on the top of the car and they're able to put it down the bottom. Yeah. So I've heard a figure of 40, which is what you've heard as well about that, possibly? Yeah, yeah I've heard that, that some of the, some of the teams um, with the changing model have come out with 40 kilos change, so that's, that's, a, good, that's a good gain. And um, it's going to come throughout the entire car. I don't think everyone's focusing on this, this composite roof hatch and, and that, but it's, you know, it's going to be throughout the entire body. The, um, what is currently steel on our under, under skins... So there's obviously steel sheet metal that's under the body, and um, you know they managed to get rid of that and composite. But it's it's inevitable. It's you know the um, there's no manufacturers left in Australia. We can't we can't get hold of the panels. They're not going to stamp us any. So yeah, it's yeah it's it's going to be the way of the, the way of the future. Okay. Now, um, typically, what would a supercar carry in the way of ballast already? You know, because 1410 is the weight including driver. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, but dry of liquids or dry of fuel fuel yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay. no fuel yeah okay so 1410 so what would you think typically a car on the grid would be in the way of ballast to get up to 1410 well zero uh, until until the um, there would have been a few cars getting around with you know low five you know five kilos ten kilos but um, suddenly if you're getting a, a we're not 40 kilograms that's yeah, it's a substantial. It's a, it's a huge, it's a huge gain. Yeah, it's a, it's a big jump. But, yeah, it's um, also physically a large amount of it to locate too, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's that's. Yeah, you got to find somewhere to to locate it and, and secure it. But um, you know, the the first generation super, uh, car, the future cars, you would um, you'd be lucky to find any cars with ballast in it. Yeah, there might be a few teams that, that did a good job if they had the the time and the resource, but. Um, yeah, look, it's it's been it's been an area that hasn't been well um, well patrolled or, or well um, 
you know, the rules haven't been very strict around it in the past. So if you wanted to focus on it and do a good job of it, there was definitely room to, to do a good job of it. But um, yeah, so, so sometimes you're up against it. The Falcons, from the, from the minute it dropped, dropped down on the scales in 2013 on the Car of the Future rules, you know, we, we popped 1430. So we were up against it from the word go. We, we managed to get a lot of it back because when you didn't... Um, when you're building a brand new car to no to no minimum mass mm-hmm. at the time that the car of the future was made, you don't know where you sit. You thought we were going okay. The FG pre-car of the future was had ballast, and we managed to do that relatively easy. And um, we just did not make it with the with the FG. And then the FGX has carried on in that. It was a bit better the FGX, but it's been an uphill battle with the Falcon. It's quite a big car, and it still carries a lot of steel, uh, as everyone knows. So that's right. that's part of the. All right, well, put, us, put aside what the uh, ZB's doing. Let's just look at your FGXs. Um, today's race, you've got three in the top five or top six or something like that. Mm. Um, you're pretty pleased with that. Richie, uh, you know, maybe a little bit struggling, but he's not a long way away in time. Yeah. No, I don't... Yeah, he's doing a good job. I mean, it's... We've got to remember that Richie is... He's, it's his first time at Adelaide, period. Yeah. He's never been here. Yeah. And to, to get someone... Um, to, to be braking and, and, and carrying speed over the curbs the way he has been this weekend he is um, ahead of schedule as far as we're concerned and yep. he's kept it on the track and he's finished every lap that he could we had a little drama with the transmission yesterday which which put it um, early into his oh, it was a transaxle lap. problem yeah yeah it was a yeah it was an issue with the transaxle and um, that was one lap from the end but um, you know he, a couple of tents would have had him at the bottom of the tent today so yeah. He's definitely he's definitely progressing fine, and you know he's he gets he's frustrated when he gets out of the car because he just needs another five ten minutes in every session because um, yeah. he just starts to get on top of it and the sessions are over they're pretty pretty short in supercars so okay. and being back on the seventeen tire um, you're happy sixteen tire sixteen tire right yeah. you're happy to be back on that and yeah we didn't see a great shift with the with the construction change from one year to the next. Um, you know, it affected different cars in different ways, and we didn't seem to have to do many wholesale, wholesale changes to get the cars back in a window. Um, in saying that, we didn't win every race either. So, um, yeah, look, it's fine. We, we've we've settled back into the old tyre, no, tr- no problems. Um, one of the things, just um, I, I uh, had a photograph that I was uh, showing. Uh, marked up the other day. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Um, there it is. Um, and uh, it's of um, your car, the Stanaway car, and the Techno car. So they're both all in black. Mm. Um, and the rake on the windscreen is, is quite dramatic, the difference um, yeah. to see between them. Um, the other one that's very obvious is the amount of under tray. Now, obviously, it's the underneath of the front tray that has more impact on the what's at front or on top, yeah. but that still does have an impact. Um, it's quite dramatic the difference in the rear wings. I mean, you know, you you had a flat under tray going the width, and uh, you had to cut cut that out to bring it back to yeah. just sort of end plates that went down and mounted. It was disallowed, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas on the uh, ZB, it's a flat tray that's the full width. Yeah. Um, there's a fair bit of dramatic difference between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Volvo was a similarly small, in fact it was smaller again, than uh, the ZB. 
Um, I don't know much. Having you know, it's. I've not seen a VSD for the Commodore. I have no idea if it's if the splitter um, for, for the most furthest point of the forward of the splitter is the same as the the old Commodore and the same as the Falcon. To me, it just looked like the car's smaller, so the the grill area is closer to the um, the center line of the front axle. Yeah. So the splitter, I think, looks to be at the same same distance out to the front. It's just a smaller car. Mm. You know, the cars. You know, the Falcon is a very old glass house. Yep, blue, blueprint car, and, and I'm, I'm not surprised that it's got a, a, um, a steeper gradient on the window and, and a much smaller car. As it's they say in the classic, you've got to work with what you've got. Yeah, that's right. You know, mm. and, and that's I'm not whinging about that. That's just the way it is. Okay. So. No, I haven't thought you were whinging at all. It's just asking the question. Yeah. Um, just, so getting back to here, you're you're pretty comfortable with where you are at the moment. Yeah. Obviously, you'd like to have won the race and first, second, and third, and those sort of things, but. You know, yesterday's results were, were pretty good. They're okay. Yeah, the um, the car's quite well balanced and it's got it's got relatively good speed on a good tyre, but it's um, it takes a bit of a step down after about five to t- five to ten laps, and we just can't match that that continuous race pace. That's been a bit of an issue for us for a while. But the car can be quick, and um, we've got to be quite um, quite disciplined with not chasing it too hard and work within our window instead of trying to find. Some magic fix that you know. I think we we all understand is not always there. So yeah. no, we're, we're doing okay. All right, wonderful. Well, uh, look forward to watching this afternoon's race. And thanks, Nathaniel Osborne at Tickford Racing. Thank you. After the break, we'll be talking with Kevin Fitzsimmons on the developments of tyres for this year and how this how they're now running. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every, every year I see Jackie's Grand Prix and I just remind myself of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Okay. And welcome back to Inside Supercars. We're again fortunate to be joined by Kevin Fitzsimmons, Dunlop Motorsport Manager, and we're here in Adelaide. Um, we haven't seen any record-breaking times in the main series. It's a new tyre this year. Your judgment so far on where you're at with performance? Yeah, I'm pretty happy. You know, like it's uh, we made the decision. Oh, I ran about July, August last year to um, change the shape of the tyre, and that the 2017 tyre was very square, tread to sidewall. And it was putting a lot of strain vertically on the sidewall of the tyre. Um, and, you know, when the unfortunate part is that the cars were re- rewarded with a lot of speed when they had the camber on. And that's that's part and parcel of the problem we had with the issues with it splitting the sidewall and um, the things going flat. And the major concern from my point of view is there was no warning. It was just like instant, uh, like undoing a zip and all the air went out. So there was no warning it was going to let go. Uh, and that's a worry. Whereas we've gone back to the shape that we ran in 2016, um, and it's curved on the tread surface, sidewall to sidewall a little bit, and it just has a little bit of a step before the sidewall, so it actually gives um, 
uh, as opposed to when it's got a vertical load on it from pushing down from the top of the tyre, it actually springs a little bit nicer. It doesn't uh, hit a square edge. Um, so a little bit narrower, um, and as we've seen by the times, it's, it's a little bit slower, but not massively slower. It's a, a tyre that they'll just have to get their head around again, but they've all got experience on it. They've all driven on this tyre uh, construction since we started Car of the Future. Um, we've just had a, you know, a couple of minor... Uh, internal changes on it which was the evolution of the 2017 tyres the compounds are the same as we ran last year um, so yeah it's, it's, it's all good it's just basically a different shape with a much bigger operating window as far as uh, if your car setup's not quite 100% this one's a bit more forgiving and you did a, a, some machine testing in Japan, endurance performance testing, to see where and which of the failures that were occurring and why they were occurring. Yeah, you're able to duplicate it. Um, they do a strike test uh, at various pressures, started from as low as 15.5 psi, then go up in half-pound increments up to 21, and you strike the tyre, and then they put in a machine called a shearography machine, which is used a lot in earth-moving uh, tyres and aviation tyres for... It's like a negative X-ray. It's almost like an MRI. Um, and it gives you uh, a, a pretty good picture of what's going on inside the tyre that you can't physically see through the, through the rubber, you know. So you can see if the overlay uh, at the base of the steel belts is fractured or not, because that's what gives the tyre its strength. Um, the steel belts give it the stability, but the actual strength is in the jointless band underneath it. And, of course, this is what led to the minimum tyre pressure situation being set up and then also, of course, the uh, monitoring of the uh, temperature, uh, the pressure gauges. Exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, um, you know, you, like, like anything, it's uh, like trying to tow, tow a 10-tonne truck with a 6-tonne tow rope. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can break it, and is it the tow rope's fault or you're doing the wrong thing so it's that type of scenario and you know at the end of the day we um we we don't want to be having tire issues we don't want to be putting drivers flag marshals and spectators at risk um this tire's got a much bigger operating window and from a safety point of view i just uh, was quite happy just to push the button kevin the 2017 tires i know that you run a pretty tight ship and you make uh, very specific orders but how many green ones did you get back and what happens to them um, we, uh, we had some tyres left over from the end of the last season um, that were bought in for the wildcards, which I've still got in stock. But we, we do a build. The factory works six months in advance and everything. So uh, we were the tyres, the when, when we made the decision, we were basically ready to go into production for, tw- for this year. Um, so that wasn't so much of a problem. Uh, of the, uh, the soft compound, I've only got six tyres left. So that's great. Of the uh, super soft compound, I've... Uh, got uh, 120 something or other so we'll gradually whittle them out um, you know there's guys that still build show cars and all sorts of things so we'll, we'll gradually whittle that down so it wasn't uh, it wasn't as bad as what it would have been if we had to do this after Phillip Island I had tyres here for uh, Darwin, Townsville, Queensland Raceway and Sydney Motorsport Park that would have been a problem you know but but in general we were able to push through um, the tyre that we're using here in Adelaide this weekend is the same compound for both series um, uh, so, uh, you know, we've seen the, the, the track record knocked off for the Super 2 cars, which was great. It was great to see Nissan have a win. So uh, first time probably ever in a, a development series uh, race that we've had a non-Holden forward victory. So it was pretty good this morning. So a good way to start the season. Good for Gary too. You know, good, good sort of for him to come to a new team and, and do that. So it just gives everyone a bit of a kick along on the new cars here this weekend with the new Commodore. And... Uh, Everyone's on a bit of a high, so uh, so far the quiet, the talk on tyres from our, our point of view has been very, very quiet, which is uh, really, really good. Well, you want it. 
Absolutely, 100%. This is year 17, is it not? Correct, yeah, for, yeah. for uh, Dunlop Supra on the control tyre, my 31st. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah, so you know, uh, 17. You just look 21, Kev, just 21. Sure as hell, don't feel it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, um, where was the big, you know, because both qualifying and race lap records were broken by Gary Jacobson, where was the big gain for them in going to this tyre? Oh, it's it, they're on the same tyre actually as we last year, so um, oh, okay. it's just a, a knowledge thing and everything. But the uh, um, yeah, the Nissan's always been a pretty good car, it's been a very good handling car, um, and they've they've had a you know a bit of a, a bit of a change there sort of thing. And it's clearly got plenty of power. Um, but Paul Dumbrell wasn't able to run him down there towards the end, so that was that was really really good, you know. So. Um, yeah, they've, they've certainly got a gain. He's got to be in his bonnet. You know, you, you change teams when it's not your choice sort of thing and prove it. You know, we know he's got the ability. He's won the series. So, uh, um, you know, when guys have got a, a bit of a point to prove and everything, they just go that little bit extra. But uh, he drove extremely well in that uh, second race on Saturday. So, um, you know, just uh, see if he can roll that out on Sunday and uh, see how he goes. Now, Kevin, we're, we're standing in the garage here, and this is a luxury three bays. Uh, yeah. The, the drop-off of numbers has helped out for the uh, room you get to work in. But uh, we are standing next to a lot of tyres that have come back to you from practice, still in the bag, still brand new. Why are we seeing in a sport that constantly complains, we never have enough tyres, we need more rubber, how come we're managing to get tyres handed back to... Uh, to you for use later in the year? There's various um, thought processes that go into this event um, is a 28 tyre event but because it's the first uh, race meeting of the season they have the um, ability to purchase an additional set of tyres which everybody did um, so they a lot of them used that tyre because it, it basically it has to be used here as a practice tyre and they uh, then have 28 tyres um, which is part of their thing, but they, the, the rules say they have to hand back one set. And that was uh, to assist the media side of things, so we know where everyone's at, so everyone's got a decent tyre to run on on the Friday. Uh, this weekend in particular, they happen to then have two brand-new sets of tyres for practice, as well as three previously marked sets. Now, some guys, uh, for whatever the reason was at the Sydney Motorsport Park test, didn't run very many, and some didn't run any at all of the 2018 tyre, which dumbfounded me a little bit. Um, so they arrived here with brand-new practice tyres so they're able to to, uh, to hang on to a few sets and of course we'll use this compound again at Phillip Island and the next time this one gets seen again is not until Bathurst um, so you've got co-driver sessions um, throughout the season They've, if, if and when they do it their last two test days they can put the co-driver in and just run him around and around and around all day on this tyre which is the tyre they'll race on at Bathurst and just uh, give him plenty of miles so uh, uh, when we've got more soft tyre events coming up and not as many uh, tyres available for the soft tyre events and the, the way they wear and things um, they just take the opportunity of hanging on to a, the uh, Harbon Super Soft I should get it right Super Soft Tyre events um, so yeah it's just a matter of uh, managing those tyres moving forward um, they uh, tend to want to use all of those up at the race meeting that because the speed difference a new tyre will give you so whereas the soft compound the yellow tyre um, that, uh, that will just go forever you know um being a motorsport manager for a control tyre situation, um, there are challenges you have. What do you think the biggest ones that you've got to face this year? Um, you know, it's just that type of thing. It's 
you know, we thought we were going to have a bit of a challenge with the new cards to get a bit of a handle on. So far, that's been absolutely brilliant, the rollout. There's been no issues with um, heat. It's going to be different today uh, come the race to see what they're like when they're closely following another car for a long period of time as to what the aero kits do. You, you get um, the situation. You know, we, we can see it on the data now that you, you have a car that's closely following one of the back of the Nissan because there's a big, big hole behind that enormous wing on the back of them and everything. There's not a lot of air there. So the front tyre temperatures go uh, you know, extremely high. You know, we, we see 145, 148-degree tyre temperature internal, um, which is not ideal. <laughs> um, so clean air makes a difference. In it. So I don't know if you'll be hearing guys you know, asking to, to get a bit of clean air. Nobody's done a lot of real close running yet where you're, you're up the backside of another car for long, long periods of time on a street circuit where the walls are very, very close to the edge of the track. Dead air. It's warm out there at the moment. Um, you know, the breeze has dropped off a little bit at the moment, so uh, it could be quite hot air down amongst the walls and everything. So, uh, you know, it's just those type of things. But the good thing about it is this tyre is, is a known quantity. You know what it's, what it's capable of, of uh, what it can and can't do. This compound's very, very durable in, in hot conditions. Um, so, uh, but, you know, you, you've got to look into brake temperatures and things like that and just so much with new cars you know uh, airflow inside the car and filters and cool suits and god knows what else and uh, the tyres just a little tiny bit of it albeit important but uh, so far cross fingers we've uh, we've had no issues and I'm not really expecting anything here it's a pretty forgiving circuit um, and the same will be for um, Melbourne when we get to the Grand Prix then Phillip Island's a whole different question again. One of your old bosses uh, the bloke I knew a little bit but you knew obviously a lot more Graham Mort Brown I remember him telling me about how the zigzagging that drivers do to put load on the tyre and to put heat in the in the tyres, particularly the front tyres. I remember him telling me about how the tests that Bridgestone had done showed that there was no real gain. The small amount of tyre that came out of the, uh, the wheel well to get a bit of air, um, or rather that negated the, the load on it. Yeah, it's that type of thing. I mean, this is just the tyre's almost like a piece of metal. If you bend it often enough, it'll you know it'll heat up. You know, just with the, with the flex, the rubber does the same thing. The, the more you get to flex it, different guys have different tastes. We've we've seen it on the uh, on the telemetry once again and everything. That braking and accelerating, getting lots of radiant brake temperature in the in the cars. Um, certainly helps keep the temperature in it. We've got guys out there with black rims, we've got guys with silver rims, we've got people that have polished the wheels to the nth degree to the point where they're like looking in a mirror. Um, all those type of scenarios as to what works and what doesn't work. At the end of the day, it's personal choice. It's it's the same as uh, some wet weather tyres. You get some drivers that it's got to be a green, brand new, shiny tyre uh, to put on it. You've got other people that absolutely insist it's got to be scrubbed. Um, it's it's a personal choice. It's just you just got to drive around what you've what you've presented with at the time. So you've never seen on the data a difference between shiny rims and black rims. No, no, no. If, it, if the, believe it or not, uh, going back a couple of years ago when the uh, PRA cars they were at the time were were Pepsi and they had blue powder coat and everything, there was a definite de- temperature difference between them. Because you can actually see coat. it. I'm presuming it's because of the powder coat the way it is. But now they've whether they've changed the process or whatever, of course I don't tell you. Um, but it's not as prevalent as it was previously and everything. But um, there's just yeah, it's a livery thing and everything. But um, uh, I certainly wouldn't be having them black. They're easy to clean. That's good. But uh, um, you know, it's just that type of thing. But then there's are, there are teams that are struggling for front tyre temperature. So this may be one of the things that help. But as I said, when, when you get behind another car, and particularly if it's a Nissan, um, there's a significant jump in front tyre temperature. So, you know, that's, that's the thing. They've got to keep them, keep them cool and sort of you know, duck out and get some cool air for the engines, for the brakes, and certainly for the tyres. Nissan would particularly like to have everyone behind them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, going on what we saw this morning, who knows? Stranger things have happened 
um, you know that that could could repeat. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, the uh, the guys up the front end have done an exceptionally good job. You know, like the the Shell guys are lucky they've got a known package to work with and everything. But um, you know, with everything that Triple uh, Eight Race Engineering's had going on for the last three months and unbelievably long hours that everybody in that organisation's put in to get all the, the new ZB Commodores on the track um, and then to roll cars out and be fastest in qualifying and fastest in the shootout and to rebuild Jamie's car on Friday night is just an exceptional effort by a very well organised organisation. Mm, some might think at the test they might not have used any brand new tyres. Yes, well, I know one of their cars used one because he came down very nicely and sheepishly and asked if they could uh, borrow a set that we'd given to another team. So uh, we're able to arrange that for them. And, uh, yeah, thanks very much to Brett Jones Racing for lending one of their sets to them. But, uh, um, yeah, pretty amazing how... um how uh, things like that turn out that, uh, yeah, you, you know, guys were sort of saying, I oh, know we'll pull them for later, but get there and the tyres they thought they had there from left over from Bathurst weren't quite as good as what they thought. So a uh, bit of a learning curve for everybody. What about new teams in the series now? We see 23 Red, Matt Stone Racing. How does that change the nature, or is it a case of everyone's been around so long, they've all come to these reshaped teams that it's not going to be a big change? There's not a new learning curve you've got to bring into even the logistics of when you need to tell me and how you need to tell me we want or you want your sets. Yep. Yeah, no, so the, the, the guys are pretty good. You know, they're, they're, they're very well organised and um, walking into Matt Stone Racing there, it's almost like a Stone Brothers reunion. It's uh, you know, fantastic to see Jimmy back there and um, you know, Donnie the truck driver. and He looks after the tyres. He's been doing it for a lot of years. and, uh, and, and that, So they all know the routine. And, and the, the, the good thing for Todd Hazelwood coming in um, and for the other guy, the rookies stepping up, that have come in from the from the Dunlop Super 2 Series is they're racing the same this weekend the same tyre they raced on all last year. So that for them is just takes learning the tyre out of the equation. They've probably, as far as learning the tyre, they've got a bit of a heads up on the other guys because they only drove it drove on it recently at Bathurst and Pukekohe and as we know Bathurst was wet most of the day so um, maybe it's a little bit of an advantage for some of those guys that they know what these tyres do over a race distance you know so that'll uh, be sorted out this afternoon but um, you know there's a few new faces around, new engineers, new drivers so uh, yeah looking forward to a challenging year. And after 31 years you said jokingly before you still love it? Yeah you sort of you certainly get that buzz and I always said the day I walk out the front of the garage in Adelaide and you know, look at that grandstand full of people and uh, you don't get the hairs on the back of your neck stand up, you know it's time sort of thing. But uh, walked out there yesterday and, yeah, the buzz is still there. And, you know, last year was a challenge of a new tyre. This year it's a challenge of new cars and uh, it's always something to look forward to. So I haven't quite done my head in yet. It must be terrifically encouraging for you, I would think, to see the fact there's nine different teams in that top ten. Uh, you know, that, that says an awful lot about the series. Oh, absolutely, you know, and uh, as much as uh, people uh, whine and moan and, and everything about, you know, the guys that did the testing get an advantage and this one gets an advantage and that one's, you know, it's, you laid all those components out on the ground on one of these cars, whether it be tyres, brakes, engines, whatever, um, how close the whole thing is, but to get all those different teams up there, um, the parity formula is working, there's no doubt about that, and yeah, you've, the cream rises to the top, whether it be um, Scotty, Shane, Jamie, um, Fabian's up there as well as far as you know, guys that are in very, very good cars and everything, just that little bit better than somebody else but it's really good to see that over the, the, the distance of what we did in qualifying there yesterday that the system's working One of the things I thought was absolutely fantastic was the two furthest car in pit lane in red 23 and Charlie Schwerkholz I can never remember a time where there were the two, last two cars in pit lane were in the top 10 
I don't ever remember that. No, absolutely right. You know, it's it's uh, very very true, and it's it's fantastic to see. And you know, like uh, Dave Reynolds when he sort of went top in the thing there as well, and all of that, all these these young guys, and you know, like people forget that. Um, when Erebus moved from Queensland down to, to Melbourne and everything, they started from scratch. Yes, Barry Ryan had a lot of experience, but none of their other crew did. And in two years, they've won a Bathurst. They've got cars regularly in the shootout. They've got a, you know, Anton did a fantastic job there um, in qualifying and everything. You know, it, it's, it's, they've built that, you know, Charlie's team. And then to see Will Davison sort of, you know, sort of jump back up there in every practice session and in quality there for a while, he was up the top there as well. And, you know, you, you, you're, not, you're not talking about massive gaps here, you know. And three or four tenths, it's, it, it's 500 mil on the racetrack. It's, uh, it's not good. So uh, I think we're in for a very, very good and a very exciting year. And hopefully, let's, you know, hope it goes down to the last race of the year in Newcastle again. Well, on Inside Supercars, again, we say thank you to Ke- Kevin Fitzsimmons for having us in the garage. And may I suggest to any uh, listeners out there, if you get a chance, come down to a Dunlop garage at any track near you where Kevin and his boys will be hastily putting on one of the thousands of tyres they do on a weekend. But I'm sure they'll have time to talk and tell you about the wonderful things that they do with these tyres. So thank you, Kevin, for your time on Inside Supercars. Cheers. Thanks very much. Now, Tony, you had a chance to go out to Talem Bend on your way back to Melbourne. Uh, can you talk us through that experience? Yes, indeed. I was uh, very fortunate. I'm, well, fortunate. I made I made the uh, opportunity happen. I went there a year ago and saw the dirt being pushed and uh, was there and went around with uh, Dunlop, uh, Kevin Fitzsimmons, and uh, also the Speed Cafe guys. We had a look around the track, and it is remarkable. It is a remarkable track. Uh, the facilities are fantastic. There are a number of aspects to it. One is that the track is truly a new benchmark in Australian motorsport. Um, There's a 7.77-kilometre GT track, which will be used soon. There's also a 4.9 international track, which will be the supercars track. But it's remarkable because uh, they've put elevation in it, and when you put together Bathurst, Phillip Island and the Bend, as it's called, the Bend Motorsport Park, these three facilities are really three of the greatest in the world. This one is a new benchmark for Australasia, the best new track opened in this, uh, in this country, certainly since 1956 when Phillip Island came on board. Um, it is just so wonderful and uh, so many aspects to it. Uh, Craig, that... Uh, I just had a wonderful two or three hours just uh, having a look around the whole place. So what really stood out for you? Well, the the track is is fantastic. The layout of it, there's no one person who's responsible. There's no Herman Tilke involved in it. Uh, It's big, wide open. There's elevation, there's drops. The front straight has undulations in it. There's a thing called the snake over the back. There's uh, constant radius corners, a couple of them, and there's also some fascinating dips and dives that'll be really testing uh, the character for drivers. And the other aspect of it is that it has a hundred story, hundred room, two story uh, hotel there, be managed by ridges in the same style as the Bathurst one. The difference is this one is above the pit garages. So if you're staying at the hotel and they've got to do an engine uh, uh, warm-up overnight, be ready for it because it's going to happen. The, the guests will apparently be told that this is a racetrack and the cars have to start sometimes. So that'll be interesting. That's one aspect to it. 
is also going to have in the same style as a, the great tracks of, uh, of Australia in Bathurst and Phillip Island. There's a camping ground for tents, caravans, motorhomes, and that'll be fantastic. That's open in May. Um, there's also, there's five villas have been built. Now, they're five very different villas, and they are a model on what can be built if you've got the money and you want to put it down on the counter, they're, they're going to build up to 400 of these units. So it's going to be a massive small town. Um, the whole place is is superbly done. The Shaheen family are the ones behind it. Sam, who was racing in Carrera Cup last weekend and has been for a couple of years in GT3 Cup as well. His brother, Yasir, races in uh, GTs in an Audi. Um, they have very successful businesses so they had the money to put behind it it's it's big end of town this stuff and uh it kicks off in april 13 to 15 with the shannons gts are going to be running there i hear that there's a good entry but they've also got superbikes coming in april uh and also uh, asian road racing championship um supercars themselves uh are coming in august 24 to 26 and there's, but there's all sorts of things like the Rotex Go-Kart Nationals are there in September. Improved Production National Championships in November. Look, it's the best new racetrack built in Australasia since Phillip Island. And it's got everything going for it. It should be wonderful. Well, okay, everything going for it. It's an hour's drive from Adelaide. Get over it. You have to drive that far to go out to uh, Eastern Creek if you're uh, staying in a good place. And, of course, uh, you've have been fortunate enough to uh, drive around a number of the Herman Tinkler Formula One circuits. I know I joined you at Circuit of the Americas. Is it, um, I take it from you that it's comparable with all of them? Yes, indeed. And the one thing it doesn't have, it doesn't have the big hill like it, say, at Circuit of the Americas, but it does have real elevation change, which doesn't exist at, say, Shanghai or uh, Abu Dhabi. This has got some really terrific corners. I'm sure that these some of these corners are going to be a challenge for drivers. So looking forward to getting there in April. We'll bring you reports from that weekend. The GTs kick things off on the Sunday. They're having a 101-lap race there. So that's a 777-kilometre race, or 788 or whatever it is, kilometre race there. So that should be fantastic. So back to the show, Craig, and onward with, with Inside Supercars and... Uh, Look forward to uh, talking more about Tailormen in the future. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. I suppose my final thought could be the possibility of some uh, rather uh, nasty slanging of amateurs about uh, a new car in the series. I hope it doesn't muddy the water too much because clearly it's not somebody jumping up, performing well. Last year, of course, Erebus won Bathurst. They got a top seven in the championship. And GRM have been performing highly and Garth Tanner well for some years. So none of those elements are brand new to the podium. But the question mark is the fact that three teams have so quickly dialed into the new car. That's going to be interesting to see how that develops. And if, of course, the Commission and or the Technical Department and Supercars will be responding to that challenge. Craig? My question, Tony, is when is a boundary line not a boundary line? And Roland Dane explains when. So just because some bloke, when he painted the line, 
so I'd take a bit of a, a straighten out a tiny kink in the concrete line when it should be consistent all the way down. Anyway, we, we, everyone, everyone who's got any background in motorsport knows that really what you're really looking for is infringements on the inside of a corner, unless there's a, an, an offset corner coming the other way. So it's a, um, if there is no advantage gained, then why, why would you get excited? Fairly, it's fairly straightforward. Saturday, two hours it took to come back with a verdict of it's all too hard. Shane van Gisbergen had clearly exceeded the track limits on his qualifying lap, and four other cars also then were found. Dutto and Shane went up the road to speak to the stewards, DSO, and whoever wanted to listen and put their case forward that, all right, yes, we might have exceeded the track limits. Perhaps the person painting the line painted it in the wrong spot. But let's have a look at the others. They then reviewed all ten shootout laps yesterday. I actually think it was higher than four. I think it might have been seven. Of well, I, I was told. I was told officially. Sorry, I was told unofficially five cars, yeah. and that included a substantial yeah. number anyway. So you're talking about half your grid. Yeah. The ramification is it would be incomprehensible to be able to explain that to the viewer why. The car you saw two hours ago and this Take car that was second and third are now starting at the back of the 10. You know, it's, it, it was a, a, a situation which I think you have to say the boundary line wasn't in play. How many times in sport do we hear where the competitors have actually worked out the rule book better than the people who are officiating? Just about every time you talk about motorsport. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's it for another Inside Supercars. We hope you've enjoyed the eclectic array of people we've spoken to and learned a bit more about the inside story on Inside Supercars. And a full credit to Shane. He just, just merged into the, into the family as if he'd been there all along.